Well, welcome to The Breakdown, everybody. We're sitting down once again with Pastor Nick. It's another week. It's another brand new episode. If you're new, welcome. Thanks for listening. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting uh, either in person or uh, digitally, I'm your host, John Humston, the smooth, sultry voice. (laughs) There you go. That's laughing right now. There it is. That's uh, lead pastor nice. Nick Pierce, Whatever. Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks. Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks. The man, the myth, the legend. Whatever. So we're back for another episode. I have lost track of even telling you, I think it's episode 22 is what we're on of season two. Of this two. season. Of two. this yeah, season, yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. this season. So a uh, couple things to read. Do re- people care about that? Uh, why do we, why do we, is it just so like, hey, did you watch episode two or three? Or if they liked it, they can like, Yeah, I always, for me, it? I'm a sequential person. Oh, so it's okay. not like we storytell, but because I guess we're kind of going Kind of with order, revelation, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's just easier so they don't have to go back. You can tell I'm like really new at this whole podcasting yeah. thing. Like I have no He's idea. Green. I, just, I just stand here and He talk, just comes in and sits down. I was like, whatever you need me to do. They really, honestly, like I have no idea <laughs> where your you're puppet, going. Just... Nothing. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> Whatever. Remember, you're the brains. I'm the tech side. That's the. <laughs> and then we should be very concerned if I'm yeah. the brains of the operation. Here. Trust me, we're not. So, um, <laughs> so last week was our first week back. Um, yeah, the people got what they wanted. Oh my goodness! So much. What? Yeah, tell them about the so, episode last week. So we uploaded the episode. We set a record last week. Uh, record-breaking episode. The highest. Uh, the highest downloaded episode since the beginning of the breakdown. And what's With, crazy is when I checked that, I checked yeah. that on Monday. Yeah. Uh, so it's Tuesday now we're recording. So but I checked check that yesterday. yesterday. Um, and that's not all the time that other podcasts have had. I mean, yeah. you go back to episode one, they've had 22 weeks of yeah. going back. And so it was crazy to me. And what's funny is to watch the connection between the YouTube, like the video version of the podcast. Oh, yeah. And the like those numbers are even up not much but do people like more, to watch us do this apparently there are a few little nuances that you miss i always tell everybody just audio wise i just told somebody today i was like hey you're a faithful podcast listener have you ever watched and she was like no i was I like got time you, for that you need to like you know us <laughs> at bring least a whole once bit. yeah yeah just one time watch it you gotta watch once just to yeah. see what it's you know what it's like but mm. um so yeah i thought that was that was interesting Y'all, my wife listens to it when she's walking Oh, is that when she listens to it? Yeah. So many people have put us in their like normal schedules. And I think that's why having our three week hiatus like sent people through the roof because it messed up their like, what am I? What, my so wife, your was wife like, not walk for three weeks. No, she was like, what am I going to listen to for three weeks? Like, <laughs> She's like I'm not walking to you guys. Yeah, to it it was podcast. almost like that. It was like, <laughs> what? Okay. Um, we have a board member who uh, who listens while he does yard work. Yeah. I know every time I call him, he's like, yeah. you just interrupted yourself. And I'm like, what? And then there was one time me and my wife were on uh, a run and we passed somebody from our church Uh and I I waved or whatever. And I was like, Hey, good morning. And they said, Hey, what's so weird? I'm listening to you right now. Then I look up and then I see you. And I was like 16th dimension. Yeah. It would be kind of weird, I guess. Um, So apparently people are relieved that we're back. I didn't realize how much power we had until (laughs) this week. I didn't know it was power, but. All right, real question. Do you ever go back and listen to it? Uh-huh. You do? Mm-hmm. All right. Is that bad that I I have never went back and listened to one? It No, my wife's not listened to any of them, so your wife at least supports you in what you do. Amen. <laughs> your mother-in-law listens to it, My though. mother-in-law listens to it. 
What's up, Jane? Um, <laughs> my mother-in-law listens to it, and then I know I that her they name was Mary. Is that the other one? No, no that's not. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's where the rumors oh, start. Just man. a joke. Calm down, people. Goodness gracious. Uh, Easy with the power. Here. I know they've been talking because Lennon be like, "So I heard you talk about me on the podcast." I'll be like, "No, you she, talk to your mom." She can't address it unless she yeah. hears it firsthand, or she'll hear it from. If her mom calls her, that's gossip, Jane. <laughs> Jane, that's gossip. You can't tell. No, I'm teasing. most of the time it'll be the day of. She'll be like, "So I heard my name get mentioned while you guys were recording. What you talk about?" It's like I need to start. I need to do that quieter, softer. I uh, usually my wife has questions. Hey, you said this on the breakdown. Let me. Can I ask you a question? Why does she never text those questions in? We didn't have a single text in this week. It was a straightforward, easy message. So easy. A great prostitute. It what was. else could be? I mean, the I, I said this in one of our staff meetings. I said the only joke out of all three services mm-hmm. that I felt bad about is, and I think it was second service. It was second service, right? I was like, you know, I said something about the great prostitute, and I said, and everybody wants to know who she is. And I just saw somebody turn, and I'm sure they weren't doing it because of that. They might have just been turning to like whisper something. Or they, to they their, were, or they were. And it's like, don't be looking to your don't right or your left. Don't, don't, don't be asked who's it the great prostitute. Get a loud you look chuckle over. Chuckle out of the audience. Uh, like, and then was, somebody counted. The number of times I said the word prostitute. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what it was? I only remember somebody, the uh, our worship leader said, hey, last service you said it like six or seven times. The number that I was told was 37. <laughs> Out of all three or just in one service? I think in one service. Dang. But I think they're including. They're, I had to read it. You had to read it. I mean, from the yeah. time you started. I mean. Because l- let's let's be honest. Uh Though the sermon that is posted on the church website is second service. Oh, okay. I was going to ask. That's a good question. That's a good the thing. The full to know. service that's posted on the online campus is uh-huh. eight o'clock, and oh. you came, you came, you came out of like you came flying in first service with just like not mincing <laughs> words. Like you came out, I was like, oh, this is we're talking about the great prostitute this morning. I mean, you were right out of the bat. Just I, I, I the Lord gave me a word, and no, I, know, that's the I did. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like let's just rip the band-aid off. Like this is what it is. You woke up, it's eight o'clock service, great prostitute. Open up your Bible. Here we go. It was call it what it is. It was a oh it was such a good message. Uh just personally speaking, take the the staff member. Yeah. You know, uh it was such a good message. We have talked privately mm-hmm. um and even on the podcast how um, you know, talking about sexual immorality um, in general is hard, but when you put that, um, that mantle of the church on it Mm. and, and the things that we allow, you know, the, I think the way you said it Sunday was, how did you say it? The, the acceptable sins, like the sins, the respectable sins that we allow in the church, um, you know, and just having, you know, the ability to walk into, um, an uncomfortable conversation, yeah. um, and it just be, hey, this is where we're at. This is this, it, is this is what we're talking about. Um, another staff member said it was their favorite sermon of mine. It was. It, I was like, dang, okay. it really was good. And I think because I didn't feel that, and maybe that's good. I didn't feel like I came off of the platform feeling like, all right, good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep, solid word for the people, edifying, encouraging, challenging, like. And, and I think that's, and every time people have told me like, Hey, that's one of the tops. Yep. I've always felt that way. Yep. 
So I guess when I come off the stage feeling like when I hit a home run, they're like, that was horrible. It was the worst sermon you've ever done. Did you even sermon prep? What do you do on Thursday? And I wonder, too, if, like, for me, there was a tangibleness, tangibility. I don't make it up words. You know, where you walk away, some of that has been hard as we walk through Revelation. Mm. Is like, not that it's not applicable. Yeah. But it's like, how how am I going to take this Mm -hmm. new information? How am I going to walk with this throughout the week? you know, in, yeah. in my job, in my family, um, you know, whereas this is something that hit everybody yeah. that was watching online, sitting in the room, like you didn't walk out of the room going, that wasn't for me. Yeah. If you did, you, you weren't listening. You need to check your heart. Yeah. I mean, pastor included, like, yeah. and that's where, like, as we're getting later in the books, uh, uh chapters of revelation, I'm I'm thinking through like, okay, yes, we're not going to be there for this specifically <gasps> sorry just yeah. like i have to gasp every time gasp you say that time. we're not what effect. but if that is what satan's going to use in his religious faux mm. spiritual thing yep. if that's going to be one of the main indicators like the the thought that i was having is how's he using it now mm-hmm. and to think the level of that immorality that we have in our own country mm-hmm and our own churches. I would only believe that it's only going to intensify during the tribulation and under his, uh, I don't want to say leadership, but when he's in control, yeah, faux leadership, when he's in control, it's, it's only going to be heightened to greater and greater lengths. And so like, I think that's another, uh, joy of more of my, uh, stance of end times that we're not going to be there is I'm just thankful I won't have to experience not the wrath of God. Amen Mm -hmm. to that for sure. But I won't have to experience the fullness of Satan trying to bring (laughs) his kingdom and his thing or like it, it it, it is already burdensome Mm -hmm. now in, in the church age, let alone what it will be. And it's like, I I can't imagine that because I see how successful he is using sexual immorality mm-hmm. and not just to kill, steal, and destroy, but I mean, uh, th- that's one thing if you're outside of the church, but even just the, the deception that is infecting mm-hmm. the church with it is, or if anything, it's not deception, but it's, it's causing at least an apathy or a, what's the big, big deal? deal? Yeah. yeah. You know, the license of grace to sin. And it's just like, ah, and I always like, like it does it like, you could hear a pin drop mm-hmm. and I know it's always a hard topic. Um, and, and I hope people see and know, and, and I guess if they don't know my testimony, they wouldn't understand that. Like, I'm not saying it, uh, as a guy that has not lived through any of that. No experience. No, I'm yeah, saying but... it like Paul would say, I'm the chief <laughs> of sinners. Like, and, and so a lot of my, and, and maybe why I, I can get so passionate about that is because I saw and experienced firsthand the destruction mm-hmm. that sexual immorality can bring mm-hmm. upon the human heart and mind. Yeah. And, and it's still, it's still a battle every day. Yeah. You know, I remember speaking uh, with my son about pornography and, and just telling him like, Hey, this is how old I was when I was first exposed to it. And I said, in the, the best analogy at the time that I gave him was, you know, that awakens a dragon mm-hmm. that you'll never put to sleep. 
you'll only have to fight him. Yeah. And and sometimes you can subdue him and and you feel like you're winning that fight. And other days you feel like you're just getting burnt and and then other days you lose the battles, but you know, you'll always have to fight that dragon. Yeah. You know, it's cuz it's one thing if he's sleeping. But the moment he wakens up, you can never put him back to sleep. And yeah. it's just like and and for young men and women to try to leave like now I have younger kids as well and seeing their innocence. It's like, Oh yeah, I would so love that. Yeah. You know, or just look at the hard part for me is now looking at their ages, knowing, you know, I was already exposed to pornography, uh, younger than my youngest kid. Are you serious? Yeah. Super young dude. Dang. Super young. That's young. But that's, what's hard having older siblings and older friends. Yeah. You know, so we would, you know, I, I wasn't a normal third grader. I was hanging out with fifth graders. I wasn't a second grader. I was hanging out with, you know, it was, that's who, so I was always exposed to things, I think, prematurely than my age because of an older sibling. Not that it was his fault. It was just, that's, that's just yeah. who I hung with. That's who yeah. I, you know, but super young, uh, in, in response to it. And it was just, it was, it was super unhealthy, and I didn't know, and that's the thing, like, I didn't even know what it really was. And I think I said Sunday, like, but as a parent, I'm going to lead in those awkward conversations yep. with my kids, Yep. you know, because I don't want them to expose something, feeling a shame and a guilt that they don't even know why they have a shame and a guilt, but they, and that just kind of proves that there's something inherently in us mm-hmm. about that. That's like, hold on, what's going on? Um, like I want, I wanted to have those conversations on the front end with my kids, no matter how awkward they are, yeah. because why would I let that to somebody else? I mean, those conversations are being had. Oh yeah. You can have them or the world can have them. If, if you are worried, it is too early to talk to your kids about it. You're already too late. Mm-hmm. Like now again, small question, small answer. So I'm not going to sit down, you know, a five-year-old man like, all right, Push in the DVD player. Let me show you what. No, like we're not doing that. When a man loves a woman. Yeah, and small. Then, yeah. yeah, and 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 we saw that even with our own kids. Like when we were pregnant with Emmy, you know, how does the baby come out? Well, that's why doctors go to medical school. Oh, okay. Just know your phone is ringing off the hook <laughs> when I guess that age. Like, no, how'd you do this? How'd you? I'd be like, you need to talk to your dad. But you know, I, and the line has always haunted me. Somebody will disciple your kids. And even like, let's take it a step further. So it's not only that I wanted to teach my, because I'm going to throw my son under the bus right now. Not only did I want to teach my son a biblical understanding of sexuality, mm-hmm. I also wanted to be the one to teach him the slang stuff of it. Because I never wanted him in a circle of friends. Somebody says something and he doesn't know what it is. And they're going to pick up on that immediately. Ooh, and they're going to yeah. crucify him. Yep. Yep. Because I remember being in those conversations. Absolutely. Where you know. your innocence, you know, yep. your lack of understanding. Because the world will not protect your child's nope. innocence. And how, no matter how good of friends you think your kids have, they will not protect your kid's yeah. innocence. Like that is our job as parents. But for me, teaching my son those things, I was protecting his innocence because I gave him the proper understanding mm-hmm. and the proper teaching and training in it. You know, doesn't make it immune to them. Yeah. Doesn't make it, oh, okay, they're never going to struggle with sexual issues. No, 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 no. But at least they're walking in with a proper education instead of letting the internet, letting the movies, letting the music, letting the whatever the world, their friends, 
disciple them, and mm-hmm. you know, because if they set the bar, how hard is it for us to remove that and show them what a biblical worldview is towards sexuality? But if I set the bar, and if I show what a biblical understanding is, then the world has to compete with that. I don't have to compete with the world. Yeah. So, and a lot of it is because I know the brokenness that I came from. I know that you like, and I've told my son that before. Like I, I, I can't call somebody and say, Hey, when I was like, I, a lot of this, we're figuring it out on the fly a little bit, you know, we're live action right here. Here we go. So it's, it is a hard conversation and it is going to be awkward, but who do you want to have that? Who, who do you, who do you want your kid to have that conversation with? Who else other than you? You know what I mean? And so like you just, that's what, that's, that's what it means to be a mature adult is to grow up, sit down and have the honest conversation and, and, and just be upfront, be open, be honest. And, but if you start it in little ways, it's so much easier. Yeah. So like, it's probably too much, but like the word, let's jump into it. So last night we're sitting at dinner and it's the four girls. Well, I mean, all of him now have been educated on the monthly cycles mm-hmm. of a woman. Yeah. Like they, they all know what's going on. They all know there's the cramps and the, all the things. And, and we talk openly about that Yep. because my girls are in gymnastics, you know, and they have to wear, you know, a half of a bathing suit type of a thing. And just not the favorite for girls at certain times. And, yep. but we have open conversations about it. And even the young ones know it and they understand it. But it's even before yeah. we're there yet. Yeah. And and I appreciate that because if you if you know, if you lead in that well in little ways, you know, my wife said it last night. I said, Here it is. I said, Here I am, a dad of daughters and she goes, And don't you love that your daughters feel so safe? Yeah. That they can just we can openly talk about these things and it's like Yes, I guess, I guess. you know. Yeah. But it, it would probably weird other people out. Honestly, it probably would. Now we're not we're not weird about it, but you guys are just a very open family. We really like, are. We've talked about that, and I've heard even grown ladies say like, "I I I could never have had a conversation like this with my my mom." Like right. they, I I didn't learn, and it's just like, and that is hard, you know. But it's it's not like we sat down one day and we gave them the full kit and caboodle. You got eight hours of class. Yeah. here we go. This no, is... it, it was something that dripped in at what was age appropriate, and and it got dripped in yeah. over the years almost, and and got us to this point. So it never was like, all right, we're going to do it right now. We're going to give the full. Nope, just small you turn cover. six. Here we go. Let's yeah, go. exactly. No, no, no. Would not <laughs> right passage. <laughs> Scare that six year old. Be like, what? <laughs> You know, but it, it was small conversations frequently, you know, and so that, and if there was, you know, like I remember the first time somebody said the F word around my kid mm-hmm. and I pulled him aside. I said, do you know what that word is? Do you know what that means? Do you know how it is used? And it's like, no. Okay. Let's talk. You know? So there were things that I wasn't able to. Yeah. And that's one of my big pet peeves. It's like, don't, don't force yeah. my kid to know and learn something that I'm not ready for him to know. And so when somebody would, oh, thanks, you know, my kid's never heard that before. Thank you so much for being the first person, you know, shoot somebody. We, we had one of those moments, uh, maybe it was Sunday night. Um, we were sitting, <clears throat> we were sitting outside, uh, girls were playing outside and someone who lives on our street yeah 
very loudly and obnoxiously just loves to scream obscenities outside. Um, it's me, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> we live right across the street from Nick. It's, it's Nick. No, it's not. Um, and so there's a point where I could hear it. That yeah. The girls were playing, yeah. and then and they were out playing basketball. But it yeah. was like, but then it got to the point where it was every word, every word. Yeah. And I was like, all right, girls, let's go inside. Like, because mm-hmm. my my three year old is yeah. perceptive. Oh yeah. She she's innocent. She doesn't yeah. know what that is. Yep. She can repeat what she hears. Yep. And then I have to have a hard conversation with her that she has no understanding of what, I mean, she's still trying to formulate how to say words correctly. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest ways to try to fix that is I have a crossbow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nick just walks out broad daylight. Yeah. Like, All right. This can go down one of two ways. <laughs> you can stop talking or I'm going to pull the trigger. I have a crossbow. And no. what's crazy, I uh, two things that always come to mind yeah. is, you know, as I, um, as I'm, maturing now into being a dad with Mm -hmm. you know with littles and and hearing stories like that and trying to prepare myself knowing i'll never be you know prepared and um there's always there's always been i feel like this trepidation that um that as parents specifically we if we're the ones that introduce said things Mm -hmm. that we're the ones that introduce the sin in their life and it's like that's not true in any degree like how much like you said how much easier is it that you introduce the awkwardness and you have the conversation to where they feel safe and comfortable that when those things that that line of communication is already there rather than them finding out from social media from their friends from the internet from school from whatever and then try to come to you because yeah who who introduced disobedience to your kid but they're dang good at it uh, and not speaking specifically no, no, to your like, kid. No, no, let's but name like, it. Leighton. Uh, I think Leighton had a meeting with Satan himself <laughs> one day. <laughs> like, Satan just laid it, it yeah. all out. It was yeah. like, here's... I mean, because if that's true, then say it all the way back. Then yeah. then everybody would be perfect because then we just don't need to introduce anything to them and Truman show them or we put them in yep. a dome and control everything around the world. No. I mean, that's the same reason why... Uh, the asceticism or the monastic movement was failure because they're thinking, oh, I need to get out of a world of sin and live up in the mountains by myself. Well, the no, problem sin. is sin dwells in your heart. You, you are can run sin. like Forrest freaking Gump and you're not going to run away from it mm-hmm. because sin dwells in your heart. So it's not a, oh, don't introduce your kids to it because then they'll fall to it. And it's like, I've seen some massively disobedient kids. Did you introduce that to them? Mm-hmm. Or did that inherently come from their sin nature? So you said something that made me think of something you said on Sunday, which was very jarring for me. Uh-oh. Um, I'd never thought about this. Oh, crap. Um, and for someone who's <laughs> grown up in church, yeah, um, who has been told this thing incorrectly, it was one of those, like, Ooh, maybe my identity maybe I'm had incorrect. been... Twi- uh, no, 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 no. Like, okay. <clears throat> so you talked about um, fleeing from sexual immorality. Mm. You know where I'm going with this? Nope. You don't? Nope. You talked about um, you scripture called. You don't stand and fight you it. You don't stand and fight it. You flee from it. Yeah. Because that's not something you're going to win. Yep. You run away from it. And I was like, I have always, always, until if you take Sunday out of the equation, I have always heard you fight sin. Mm. You fight sin tooth and nail. You fight temptation. So. One of my professors is Dr. Keith Miller uh, at Calvary University is probably one of the most uh, 
influential people in my mm. life. And he probably doesn't even understand how influential he was because he was just teaching classes. Yeah. Obviously, good connection. We've even had lunch together when I was in town to reconnect, stuff like that. And he's just, and what was so great is as he would be walking through, let's just take Old Testament, New Testament survey classes. Um, he was a pastor for 20 years and he always wanted to teach for another mm. 20 and he just thought that'd be kind of cool. But every once in a while he would stop and he would pause and he would kind of take the teacher hat off and he'd give you the pastoral. A little bit different. A little bit yep. different. Yep. And then, and he would say a lot of things like, hey, when you're in ministry, this is a good, and one of the things, and, and so every time he spoke there, a lot of the kids would kind of tune out. You tuned dude, in. Dude, I tuned in even more. And so a lot of my notes of ministry are are tucked in the middle of. His pastoral moments His in pastoral class. moments, yeah. right. And he said, you know, a great, great little passage, if you're ever going to speak to some students or whatever, let it be a, a one night thing. Or if you got like a little retreat and you're looking for a three-parter or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, Second Timothy two twenty two. He goes. It's easy to memorize. It's easy to remember. Two Timothy two twenty two. Right. So flee youthful passions. So there's like step number one. You 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 put a whole sermon around that. Yep. Flee sexual immorality. Flee youthful passions. But in fleeing that, what do you do? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So you want to flee youthful passions. You want to pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then it says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and then surround yourself with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what are you running away from? What are you running to? And who are you surrounding yourself with? That will preach any day of the week all day long yeah and and it was that mentality he was at that when he was given his little quick rundown that's what he said he goes the bible always says to flee sexual immorality to the degree that it's almost like we are not strong enough to stand against it Mm -hmm. we need to flee from it because i would always tell my students you draw a line in the sand and then you turn around and you run yeah because always good if you draw a line in the sand and then because in student ministry, words don't always sell. So you have to do the visuals. <laughs> yep. um, I would always pull, you know, pull a student up and be like, OK, this tape line yep. is your line. And if this is the line, how close to it can you get without going over? Oh, and so yeah. they would all, what you know, great analogy. stand right up to it, lean over. And then I'd just come and barely <laughs> tap them and they would go, pl- you know, falling yep. over. And I said, you know, but it's like. But it seems like if you've grown up in church, mm-hmm. that's it's always been this the yeah. the righteous Christian thing to do is to put on the full armor of God and then go to go to battle. Yeah. Endurance and perseverance uh is never used in the context of fighting sexual sin. Now other things possibly. Yeah. And yes. But I would say I would say definitely temptation, uh, uh for any sin to you know, he will uh, what is it? First Corinthians ten thirteen. You know that he would provide a way of escape for mm-hmm. you to be able to endure it. Like you can endure that temptation. You don't have to fall to that temptation. Um, but within the sexual sin, which some people are, is all sin equal? I'm one of those that says no, and we could talk about homardiology another day. That's season seventeen. Of yeah, the there you go. <laughs> um, because you know, and 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 clearly we can see it in scripture where Paul says. All other sin is outside your body, but the sexual sin is inside mm-hmm. committing sin against your body. And so to him, there was something different. And that's what some people believe when Paul was talking about the thorn in his flesh, that it was a sexual sin that he struggled hmm. with because of that, you know, and I, 
I can understand that. I mean, Paul's the apostle, but he's not dead. I mean, he's not dead now. He's living in Christ. But like, even when he was on earth doing ministry, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Lydia who sold purple fabrics, you know, she might've been hot. (laughs) You know, Paul probably liked her or, you know, some people wonder if Paul was married or not. And, you know, it's like there there was real temptations there. There was a whole different context to the Bible. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. Um, and you know, think of all the Pharisees that threw the woman caught in the midst of adultery at the foot of Jesus. Mm-hmm. How many of her looked at her even right while they were standing there with a stone in their hand, you know, mm-hmm. they caught her, you know, butt naked yeah. and threw her at the feet of Jesus and Jesus didn't see her in that. But how many of the other ones were standing around and had even this, just a small glimpse of lust or pleasure in seeing this degraded naked woman at the feet of Jesus with a stone in their hand to kill her. Oh, I never thought about that. I mean, look, look at our world today. Is that, is that not the same degrading heart that we see in pornography and things like that? Why? I mean, so you have this self-righteous that, I mean, that's, yeah. So I just always the encouragement of flee from it. And, and some people ask, well, what does that practically look like? Run. Yeah. Literally run. Get like, in your car, drive away, run. Away. I don't care. And every time you talk about sexual sin, you, we can talk very practically about when things go down. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it's a guy and a girl, you know, in their car parked, don't be in a parked car together. Don't be home alone together. Yeah. If it's a don't set yourself up. For yeah. Failure. Don't set yourself up for if it's an individual with any kind of electronic device. Don't be alone with an electronic device. I had so many students like I had to struggle with pornography and I would ask them. The vast majority of the time, when are you looking at porn? And they're at like night, in bed. At, at night in bed. I said, charge your phone in the living room. Problem solved. Well, Give your it's, phone to your parents. it's my alarm clock. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll foot the bill for a five dollar alarm clock. You idiot. You know, you're over here talking about your brokenness and how you feel to so shame and guilt, but you can't chuck out five bucks on an alarm clock even though you're holding an iPhone 15. It costs $1,200. Kick this kid in the shins, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or like, I don't want to ask you. Your parents bought you the phone. And you think they wouldn't buy you an alarm clock? And But again, that's the deception of shame and guilt and all of this is to think that there's no no practical way of escape. Yeah. You know, or just get rid of your phone altogether. And there has been a little bit of a movement of that, getting away from like smartphones where they just don't have access to that. Yeah. You know, or in going back to the parenting thing, like if you give your kids a cell phone with no accountability to it, you just gave your kid a gun. Like... And and not that the restrictions let it be like an accountable to use software, or Covenant Eyes, or a Life Three Hundred and Sixty. Not that those are foolproof, because you, you're not going to have it foolproof. But at least there's something there. And and so when I handed my son a phone and said, "Okay, th- these are the ground rules. Why is that? Because this is an amazing tool that could be used for good, and for and for evil." Yep. And it, and it opens the conversation instead of just, oh, here's the phone. I want to be able you to s- call you or text you. Yeah. So I know where you're at with your friends. And how many parents we'd go on trips like they have, they need their cell phone in case they need to get a hold of me. Like you would have died as a parent 20 years ago before we had these. Like, what do you think they did? had parents know? smuggle. Oh. Gave their kid a burner phone even though they <laughs> signed a covenant. A burner phone? <laughs> It's a little, I'm not kidding you. It was a little like, oh my goodness. pay as you go flip phone. Yeah. They're like, well, what happens if you get in a wreck? I have 11 leaders on this trip with phones. 
I, I'm sure the salvation it's summer of, camp. This isn't a like yeah. a 90 car pile up in the dead of winter. Like, <laughs> and, and if it does happen, I am pretty sure that your kid's not going to be the one that's going to save us all because guys, I got a burner phone. Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> just, you know, it's it. You know what it is. It, this is just me. So if I'm taking it too far, let's go. Let's find out. Let's see. Too far. <laughs> when we when we would put restrictions on cell phones and parents would, would push back. It's the lack of control. The lack of control. And I think it was a guilt and a shame unto them that they couldn't put good boundaries. Like, why haven't I done that? Why or, haven't I done that? Yeah. And so they, it's almost like, oh, is that, are you condemning that I don't have? And it's like, I'm not condemning you, but I'm definitely encouraging you. Have some conversations. Yeah. And then, well, I don't want to invade their privacy. I hate You're that. the parent. You are, Yes. They don't have privacy. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to like, they're not in jail where you have to watch them, watch them shower. It's not that kind of privacy, but yeah, like if you're, if you are not engaged in your kid's life and you know that parents would be shocked at how much their kids are really dealing with, struggling with, or are being enslaved to Mm -hmm. if they just took a week and did some investigating. It took would, a day. What do you oh. think? Like a week? It's so prevalent. <laughs> well, they they would need six days just to process. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And every kid they would open up. I, the, my top three questions. One of them would be, "Do your parents know?" No, no, we can't tell them. It's like you can tell them, I can tell them, or we can tell them. Which one would you like? But they're to gonna do? know. They're gonna know. I yep. I'm not gonna hold this, you know. And it was. It's just hard. Now let's let's same topic. Yeah. Now instead of parents to child, child to parent. Uh. Oh. Spouse to spouse. Ooh. Cuz every time we talk about it. Yeah. There's just sometimes you just have the feeling of like like for me, every time I talk about sexual immorality, you know, what's hard is I always have to define it. Sex outside of the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Okay. Anything outside of that, sexual immorality, right? So everybody's like, "Oh, is this a sin?" If you have to ask, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Yeah. If you have instead to, of asking, is it a sin? How just about we just uphold what biblical sexuality is and know that well, because then all the counterfeits, you know, it's a counterfeit. Could then. you imagine just being like, "Oh, I thought that was sin." It's not. Oh, every camp that I've ever done as a student pastor, you know, we would always do a Q and R time. Mm-hmm. You know, love a good Q and R time. Question, response, not question, mm-hmm. answer. Yeah, there it is. Because I can respond to everything. Doesn't mean I have all the answers. Every time. Every time this card would come in. I bet you I didn't know where this card Is masturbation a sin? How, yep. That, that would always be one. Is this a sin? Is that a sin? And it's just like, that's like trying to just figure out all the counterfeits of money, but you never want to understand what has true value. You, you only kn- study the counterfeits. Yes. You're only studying counterfeits. And, and, the, and, you, and you don't know it's a counterfeit unless somebody else tells you it's a counterfeit. Yep. But if you know the real thing, then you know what is a counterfeit. And so, but then when you switch it now, because when I talk about it, I think one of two things happen. Um, the feeling that I get is one, oh, he's not talking to me. I don't struggle. <laughs> it's like, okay. Lust has been ridden from your heart. Yeah. <laughs> if that is true, you could be making millions on talking about how to help people to, yeah. to get out of lust of, you know, like, yep. come on, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. Everybody falls to that. And so, oh, he's not talking about me or, oh, he's just talking about teenagers. Mm-hmm. But you know how many spouses live in fear mm-hmm. that I can't let my spouse know? 
what I have done am doing like they, there's just not the openness where like when I do premarital like number one like if you're keeping things from each other like we're already on a path to doom just give it just give it time like my wife can walk in grab my computer my laptop same thing my iPad is what I meant to say <laughs> you have a computer and a laptop I have a computer and a laptop Dang. that's how good ministry is no she can grab my laptop my iPad my phone everything and search the snot out of it. She has my passcode for everything. They're like, well, I don't know his passcode. And then your marriage will That's fail. That's a problem. That's the first thing I'll say. And I've said it that harsh. Well, we, we, I, we don't do, your marriage will fail. Just give it time. And it works every time. Yeah. And, and all the social media stuff, all everything. And, and for me, struggling as a young man with pornography, I remember the, like very young in our marriage, the first time I had to kind of just, come clean and confess to Ashley like that was super humbling yeah you know but again we're both young in our faith immature on both sides of it Mm -hmm. you know because she'll even say like at that time I yeah I'm not shocked by that I thought every guy did that like we almost didn't see an issue with it for a little bit it was the acceptable sin it was the acceptable sin yeah like how could you you know and I there's people in this world for me to teach purity and abstinence to teenagers or even purity uh, to us as men, it's like, you are, that is neglect. Mm -hmm. That is abuse that, you know, and it's like, no, it is anything outside of the bounds of marriage. That is sin, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to get that specific about it. We don't want to get. And so when we do talk about it, we only want to (laughs) get, we want to keep it vague so that, I could lawyer my way out of this. Yeah. I could talk out. You know, I could, I could, I could make a case. I could justify my behavior instead of just saying, "Is this bringing about a kingdom impact in my life? Mm-hmm. Is this is this drawing me closer to the Lord? Like, this isn't even is it lawful? Is it profitable? No. Like, we're trying to justify sin mm-hmm. here, um, and that's, and I think that's one of the places that Satan is winning is within marriages. That if you even feel scared to ask your spouse, you've already lost the battle. Yeah, and my wife still asks me to this day, "Do you do you still struggle with the temptation of pornography every day? Every day?" She's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Well, it's not like I'm like cold sweats and like <laughs> my head." Yeah, I'm like, ah, it's not like I'm addicted <laughs> to crack. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what she's expecting, you know. <laughs> Like what's wrong Sorry, with Nick over there? Up in the morning, yeah. she walks out like just woke up, and you're over there like I'm dry. I can't. <laughs> over here, like man, are you on crack? What is going on? <laughs> but like, how many times does Satan try to remind me of my past? And and she was like, "What do you do to combat that?" And it's like, well, obviously, accountability software, accountability with people, accountability yep. with her, and and I said, you know, the other things I just think about is it worth it? You know, do I, I mean, let's just have the conversation. Do I really want to sit down across from the table from you and say, drawn as your lead pastor, I torpedoed my life. Yeah. You know, now some, it started with this, but yeah. it ended. Yeah, exactly. Much I, worse. Than I don't want to have that conversation yeah. with you. I don't want to, I don't want to look at the board. You know, I want to look at those guys and say, Hey, I got to be honest right now. Yeah. And I'm, I am not walking how I should be and and not because of I'm a pastor now that definitely does have a higher yep. degree to it but even just in my walk as a Christian like I you know and then do I really want to look at my wife and have that conversation mm. that's where I always go to do I want to you know now that my kids are older like 
I mean, I have an almost 16-year-old daughter who is absolutely beautiful. You, you need Do I want to have that? Power. Absolutely. And every guy is mop water. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my quote. <laughs> quote, unquote. Do I really want to have that conversation? Do yeah. do I want that burden on my child? Any of them, you know. Do do I want to stand up in front of the church and have to have that conversation? When you stack it like that, and it's not that I have that conversation every little time that a thought of temptation hits yeah. me, but I need to have it regularly. So that is it really worth it? When you stack it like that, it's not worth it at all. Not they're, they're not even not even close and I haven't even got to the point of my relationship with the Lord you know what I mean yeah. which is the greatest uh, of all of them you know and and so yeah like temptation lust those darts still get thrown at me and I've talked about it openly before where uh, on a Sunday where you, you're walking through <clears throat> you're walking through high V and Especially down here at the lake, you cannot control what other people wear. You know, going to Walmart and they just came off the boat with yeah minimal clothing on. Oh yeah, I'm just trying to you know get rice and beans for dinner tonight. You turn the corner and it's like good night of living. Like (laughs) it's like I'm not going to the produce section. You know, it's like you can't help the first glance. And and there was a time in my life that the first glance wasn't enough, and I needed. Three, Find four, five, back. six, yep. and and then it would ignite something in uh, that, and and now you can't help the first glance, uh, but I immediately you know, and not this big, massive, long. I hit my knees right there in high V prayer. Uh, just Lord, discard me, and and I try to pray for that person, mm-hmm. and not that they're like trying to flaunt it, you know, but. You know, even just it, it just shows the level of society where, yeah, it's acceptable and it's okay. And I've heard people say, oh, it's just the lake. Oh, is it? It's mm-hmm. just the lake. Okay. So that's okay with you. That's fine. That's, yeah. So let me show up to your house in a bikini. Be like, what? So that's it's how just, you combat it. <laughs> that's how I'm going to do it. Oh, it's just the lake. That's what you said. If you're okay with it at high V, why can't I be okay with it? Yeah, I'll wear that Sunday then. I was going to say, it's we should do that. Let's, let's experiment with that. It's just the that. lake, guys. You know, and I hear that and it's just like, no, it's, it. And then you get in the topic, well, is it degrading to females because they can't wear whatever and males should learn how to control themselves? Biblically, go back to the freaking garden mm-hmm. and understand. When Adam looked at Eve when she was naked, you know, we see the passage, people have preached on it. He says, whoa, man, you know, like, because yeah. he calls her woman. And there's the joke on it. He, we are visual beings. Mm-hmm. God created us that way. And, and that is a truth. And I believe Satan absolutely takes that and manipulates it mm-hmm. with lust and desires like that. Did Eve hide herself? Mm-hmm. Was Eve ashamed to be naked in front of Adam? No, she appreciated his response to her. And that is also in a woman. Mm-hmm. you know. And again, Satan takes that and mars it smears it manipulates it because think how many times do women feel ashamed even to be naked in front of their husbands you know what i mean like and and there's issues in marriage but it's like and so 
Satan, the greatest counterfeiter, is taking those two things that God created good. We see it good in the garden. Adam loved looking at Eve. Eve loved being looked at. And but then Satan manipulates it both ways, yeah. both spectrums or whatever, you know. So take for the woman, like those that want to flaunt it and make guys stumble and trip and break their necks and they think it's a game. That's one side of the spectrum that's a counterfeit. And the other side of the spectrum is a counterfeit is the immense guilt and shame for some ladies, even within the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. Nope, still want to throw guilt and shame because, you know, it's like that's where the church has done a horrible job of teaching on on the biblical worldview or biblical understanding of what sex and marriage and stuff like that is, Mm -hmm. you know, where we've talked about this even just privately, this the whole purity culture Mm -hmm. of the 80s and 90s where how many people that did it God's way pun intended um <laughs> sorry I was, to, I was like don't laugh you don't laugh a don't serious laugh. moment you know, they they dated they courted whatever you want to call it they waited until marriage but then their marriage night which was supposed to be a glorious amazing thing because that's god's gift to marriage actually was they wake up the next day or even they only make it but that night it's just guilt and shame because they've they've been taught and just uh and drilled shame, into yeah. their heads <clears throat> virginity not purity the bible does not teach virginity the bible teaches purity because if you only teach virginity you just narrowed and and again that's going back to what you're talking about with youth ministry with the line okay if you say oh the the line is virginity what's the first thing that uh humans do figure a way around it oh i'm still technically a virgin and it's like hmm Okay. As far as too far. Yeah, and all that. And other forms of sex. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, it's not getting real graphic here, penile, vaginal, you know, uh, intercourse. Oh, I'm still a virgin then. And it's like. You don't get to define that. Yeah, teach purity. Because (laughs) then everything's on the table. You know, it's not just long as I avoid that. Which, can we get real? How real can we get? Is this too real? No, I'm. So the Listen, mo- they can turn it off. Yeah, that's they, true. If it's too much. I but, would rather get but, real than not. You know, so let, let's just talk about how we try to skirt the laws of this. Like, if again, if we only teach virginity, uh, there's a real popular movement within the Mormon faith. Young people that are Mormons mm-hmm. that are trying to skirt the law of their, their the sexual boundaries mm-hmm. that are placed upon them. <clears throat> and it's called soaking. Mm-hmm. I've heard soaking and shaking the bed. Mm-hmm. So it it would be wrong in the Mormon faith to have sex before marriage, mm-hmm. right? And I'm yes, it is in ours. We could talk about that, but I'm talking about the Mormon faith right now because this is where I'm hearing this come out of. And so there's soaking where there would be a a penile vaginal insertion, but then they don't move; they just stay there. Yep. There's no movement. Yep. But then, thank goodness, they have a good friend that'll come and shake the bed for them. Now, you just took an intimate moment that was supposed to be within the context of a husband and a wife. (coughs) Now you got your friend in here shaking the bed? Just got real weird. That got super weird. But that just shows, in a negative context, how creative we and our broken human hearts are to skirt the rules and be like, well, that's the Mormon faith. Yeah. (laughs) And it's no difference in any other faith, you know, because again, the desires of our heart naturally are not to do the things of the Lord and not to walk in faith, trust and obedience. It's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh Mm -hmm. and the boastful pride of life. And that's, I was talking with somebody even Sunday, like 
we talk about walking in freedom, but sometimes we like, what does that, what does that really mean? And I think the first line of that is when we're trying to skirt the, the, the laws per se, or mm-hmm. the boundaries that God gives us to sex. Um, and, and we do not want to hold a reverence to the confines of marriage and the marriage bed. Whatever else you that's your God. Mm-hmm. That's why idolatry and that sexual immorality are so tied because now that has become your God. That is, that is what you're going after more than trying to honor and, and, and walk in obedience to Christ. And so it's, it's a heart issue, but it's an idolatry issue. Yeah. And, and but you say it like that again, say it in the, some of the worst ways you can really show the significance of it where it's not a, Oh, I just kind of struggle with this lust or that lust. It's like, no, no, you struggle with idolatry because that's your God. Your, your ability to express yourself sexually is your God. So you take that concept and you apply it to anything, apply it to the transgender move it, apply it to the homosexuality in our world. It's like, that is their God. And so it's a, it is a religious movement because to them, that is the greatest thing in, on the earth and to which, you know, they, uh, operate and evaluate the world around them is that. So, sorry, I'm looking up a Bible verse to see. Uh Oh, he's fact checking <clears throat> me. He's looking up Bible verses. Where are you at? Where are you going? Hebrews 12, 2, 1, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, um, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, so that's ESV. Amen. I've also heard it. Uh, um uh, fix our eyes. Yeah. Fix our eyes. Fix our eyes on it. Yep. Um, cause one of the things I don't remember where I heard this, uh, when you, you know, going off of what you said, um, whatever our eyes are fixed on, that's the thing we're worshiping. Yep. And so when, when you take that and you really think through that, how many times a day? So that, like I was having a conversation with somebody earlier and it's like, you, you'll hear people say like, oh man, I sinned so much this week. And I found myself guilty. Like, I don't feel like I sinned much this week. Like, I, I'm not saying I didn't. <laughs> Dang, I was walking I'm on just, water. I just was like. I kept trying to drink water and it turned into wine. You know, like, but you go to the big cities. Yeah. Like, I didn't look at porn this yeah. week. I didn't like, but it's like, for me, what have I been fixated on this week? Mm. I've been fixated on paying the bills. I've been fixated on making sure my family's taken care of. I've been fixated on making sure whatever our next step in That's life so is. And so I've taken the Lord off the throne, which this is this is Jerron's theme in life. Um, and I've placed either myself or mm-hmm. that thing on it to where That's instead so of focusing on the Lord and walking out in faith and trusting him that like I have desires and laying those things before him, like, We'd really like to sell our house. We'd really like to do X. Yeah. We, you know, Lord, if it's your will, if it's your design, if it's your desire. Um, so like even just getting us like, oh, crud. Like <laughs> how many times do we find ourselves fixated on the thing that we're, you know, that we're trying to circumvent? Yeah. Because if, if our Christian faith, like you were saying, is so good. If our Christian faith is just trying to avoid sin. That is not the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. That's not freedom in any way. Not in any way. 
and and where in the topic it might be sexual immorality yeah but we all have like what you're saying that idolatry yeah that we're replacing christ in the old hymn turn your mm. eyes upon jesus yeah. look full into his wonderful face. Not partially. Yeah. Not three quarterly. And and what's so great about it is that the things of this world will grow strangely dim. It'll be weird to you. And so the things that I used to love about life, the people that I thought I was so close to and I could never do life without, strangely, those things grew dim. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the light of the world. We walk in that marvelous light. We, we're looking and fixing our eyes upon Jesus. That's good. It's a good word you got there. Now, okay, so funny story. Let's he, go. Every time I hear Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Uh-oh. I think of Ken Maxey. Okay. So, Love Ken Maxey. Oh, Ken's great. So Ken is one of the pastors up at Grace Calvary Chapel. Your old church. My old church, right? Um, he was kind of over all of student ministries. He's kind of like the, the head honcho of he student the ministry. Guy. The guy. Yeah. So what did that make you? Just uh, guy? Just guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, little guy. Like, so, so like, it, it, it was just a good team of student ministry. So children's pastor, me, college ministry, and then him. And, and it was just a good team. And he preached for me one time. We were doing, uh, we called it Beyond Sunday. Okay. It was a student ministry conference that we put on. Let me guess. This was outside of Sunday. Boom. <laughs> because the connotation was we want you to take your faith beyond yeah. Sunday. You know, there it is. Ha, 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 ha. We don't so, hire idiots here at Calvary. <laughs> <sighs> there it is, right? <laughs> and so he preached this text, and he was talking about let us also lay aside every weight. Okay. Right? The best analogy. So every time I hear that, I chuckle because of Ken's story. So okay. Ken Maxey, if you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you so much for this. He was talking about one time in school, he was running track. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was doing like the 400, the 800, something like that, but he's running. And whenever you're running every once in a while, you'll knock a little phlegm loose. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just kind of happens. happens. I'm a runner. Like I've hawked a few loogies in my day. You know, and if you're in like a really crowded group in a cross country meet, you just you, spit on them. You're aiming for the calf of the guy in front of you. Like, <laughs> let's just call it what it is, you know. And he goes, I'm running. I get on the backside of the track. I feel it. I hock it up and it like, whoop, like it's a, yeah, it's a doozy. And said, instead of just like letting it fly, no, he grabs it. He spits it out in his hand. And he runs the rest of the race Stop it. holding this massive loogie in his hand. And all the kids are like, ew, gross. And he got so descriptive about it. And But then the real thought is that why do we hold our sin the same way? Mm. Why are we holding the thing this great way? Why don't we just lay it aside? Why don't we just throw it away? Because the sin, which clings so closely, run with endurance. And he's like, throw that away and run with endurance. And so never going to read that. Oh man, it's so good. And I I want to call him and be like, (laughs) you have ruined Hebrews for me. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) So when you said Hebrews 12, I was like, can Max, (laughs) please go 12. He said 12. I'm sure that's where we go. He said one and two. We're totally talking about the Luke. Uh, but That's how, good. I mean, but when you think about it, you know, when we get gross, cause we talk about a dude running, you know, around a track with a loogie in his hand, but like, how gross is it for us? You know, it's one thing for the world to walk in ignorance of their sin because they've never been made aware of mm-hmm. it. But how, 
how gross using that term is it for us who have been redeemed and restored by the blood of Jesus, who is in the middle of our own sanctifying process. Do we keep holding on to the very things that Jesus died for and told us to let go of? Yeah. Like that's where the new, you know, what does it mean to walk in freedom? Let go of the old life. BC Nick is dead and gone. And so like put it in a funeral analogy, like, and I'm a morbid person. So I'm probably the last person to talk about stuff like this. Cause I, you know, when I go to funerals and I like, so take my grandparents, you know, died separately. And so it was grandpa. Then like eight years later is grandma. And, and you know, I'm not going to hold over the coffin. I'm not going to hold their bodies. It's like, I just have to let go. Mm-hmm. They are dead and gone. They are with the Lord. I have to let go of that. Yeah. That, that relationship, that was it. There we go. That is it. And, and me and uh, my son Dayton were even talking about this, like the, the reality of just life and death. He goes, oh, yeah. we were talking about me and me and his mom, me and Ashley. And he said, one of you are going to lose the other one one of you is going to do that. Like one of you are going to have to lose the other one. He goes, you should beat her to it. I was like, did you just ask for me to die first? Is that what you said? Or, or do you want your mom killed? Yeah, off like, first? What do you want? I either don't, way, this either is not way good. it's not looking good for you here, but, <laughs> but you know, but the, the dead things of our life, like that's a part where we need to be self-reflective look at our own lives and say what are the dead parts of my life now that i'm alive in christ what are those dead parts that i need to let go of so it's one thing god's going to chisel us and knock those things off right he's going to he's going to shape us but what are those things that we keep picking back Mm. up that jesus threw down and it's like i have something better let go of that greatest video of all time oh yeah god's chisel god's chisel oh yeah, grab that and a cup of coffee. You'll cry your eyes out. And a box of tissues. So my uh, professor that I was talking about, Dr. Miller, he he was talking about that same kind of concept. And he said one of his daughters would, uh, when she was real little, she always wanted uh, mini pennies. Mm-hmm. You know, she was real little. She'd just walk around with a handful of pennies. Oh, my mini pennies. And she just loved it. You know, never put them in her mouth, nothing like that. Just always had her little, little treasure of mini pennies, you know, maybe 10 cents yeah. worth of pennies. And he said, you know what, I'll see what she'll do. He goes, he grabs like this big old dollar coin. He says, I'll give you this dollar coin for your many pennies. She wouldn't do it. Even though bigger, more valuable, but it was many pennies. That's Mm -hmm. what she wanted. And how many times are we rolling around holding on to our many pennies of the dead life Mm -hmm. and God has something so much more valuable. But when it is hard because we're so used to what we know that what could what could God possibly bring to make my life better? That is a great question to ask him. But will you live a, not just a committed life, but will you live a surrendered life mm. to allow him to answer that question? Because if your hands are full of your many pennies, then you'll never have room in your life for the great things that God wants to bring to you. That's good. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> and just let I got just, more things just, rolling around my head, but that's a really good place <laughs> to just go, you know what? Sometimes less is more. That's uh, good. Well, I don't know if it's good or not. No, but that's, it's, it's where the Lord's hitting me. And so like, yeah, it, 
I don't walk in, in uh, the old fights of sexual immorality anymore. You know, obviously it's still on guard against the temptations and not naive to the flaming darts of the enemy to try to bring me down. Um, but I just have to keep looking and saying, all right, what are the other pennies in my life that I'm holding on to? And you just, you recognize one of those, you lay it down at the foot of the cross and you hold your hands empty out to the Lord and say, uh, I believe that you have better for me. Mm-hmm. That's faith. Looking at Jesus saying, I believe that you have better for me. And, and whatever the guardrails and the pathways that he has for us and what it means to live for Jesus, I believe that he has better for me than what this world has to offer. And so, uh, as I say a lot on Sundays, maybe you can get uh, a sermon bingo. I'm going with the guy that walks out of the mm. grave on this one. So, I got bingo. You got bingo? I win. <laughs> there is a, there's a bingo game. Floating. I know, I've seen oh, it. Okay. I've, I've seen put it? my eyes on it. Yeah. It works. Heathens. So. It happens. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to hang up our hats here. We're going to turn the mics off. We're going to call that uh, quits for today's episode. Thanks so much for watching. If you're watching on YouTube or listening wherever you consume podcasts, don't forget uh, each and every week uh, we have the text line. If you ever have a question, is your uh, I'm going to maybe give permission where I have no authority to give. Um, but if you're sitting in church on Sunday or you're re-listening to the message and you're like, man, what did Nick mean when he said that? Or I just need some clarification. Uh, our text line, uh, you can text the breakdown, all one word to 573-679-3760. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, we'll put this week's sermon in the show notes as well. So you can go back if you want to rewatch or relisten. That's what you're talking about. But uh, we'll be back next week with Revelation 18. Ooh. We'll dive into Revelation 18. And we got... We got some things to talk about next week. So we'll do that next week. But have a great week, everybody. We'll see you guys later.